Good morning, One Church. How y'all doing? Wonderful. I am so stoked to be back with you. I've been in Shreveport for the past uh, 11 to 12 days, uh, working with a bunch of teenagers roofing houses in 106-degree heat. Praise Jesus. Oh, my gosh. So, um, anyway, I'm glad to be back to work. (laughs) So, uh, it's just great being with you guys. It really is. Um, Today, we're going to start a new series called Letters to the Next President. How many of y'all enjoy election years? All right. I see you, Wally. All right. My name is Chris Edmondson, and I approve of this message. I just love the commercial. Some of you like it. How many of y'all hate it? All right. Wow. A lot more people hate it than like it. All right. Uh, We're going to preach on something different today. I'm joking. Um, Y'all will get that in just a sec. Um, We're going to have a fun time in this next three-part series called Letters uh, to the Next President. Um, You know, I kind of enjoy it. I love watching, like, Leno or really Letterman uh, to talk about, you know, hearing their commentary on what's happening have y'all, some of y'all, y'all need to go on YouTube and Google great moments in presidential speeches. It is hilarious. Um, so anyway, but we're going to have a fun time looking at the Bible, specifically the Old Testament, because there are a lot of leadership principles found in the Old Testament where political advisors would come to kings and governors and be able to give them advice on what to do and uh, how to act and how to vote and things of that nature. And we're going to look at what if uh, some of these people in the Old Testament wrote a letter to our future president. Now, before some of you start gathering your things and uh, telling Ethel to come on because religion and politics don't mix, um, we're not going to endorse any political candidate. Uh, It's really cool. We're not going to. I think God is bigger than elephants or donkeys or Republican or Democrat. Um, Whoever wins... All right. Uh, I believe that we're going to find some principles found in the scriptures that they could be able to take with them from whatever political party that you're looking at. I know that I got to tread kind of softly on this because I know political uh, politics is not an emotionally neutral subject because some of you are very passionate one way and some of you are very passionate the other way. Um, one of the things we're going to be looking at uh, throughout this three-week series is whoever you vote for, whoever party, um, make sure. Uh, to look at the scriptures and let them influence uh, what you do in the voting booth. So we're going to have a good time. Today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 4. It's a kind of a hard book to find in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start turning to Daniel chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I'm going to uh, set this up so that you can understand where we're going to be coming in in Daniel chapter 4. What we're going to be reading happened in about 580 B.C. And um, this is what happened. Uh, God told the Israelites, listen, if you don't obey me, if you don't obey my commandments, I'm going to judge you by allowing foreign foreigners to come in and destroy your country, destroy your cities, and they're going to cart you off into captivity, and there you will be for 70 years, captives in a foreign land. Uh, the Israelites did not listen. So God allowed that to happen. In 586 B.C. in the fall, the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar came in and surrounded Jerusalem and wiped Jerusalem out. They destroyed the temple, destroyed the walls. Um, They didn't kill everyone. All the the people who were good at uh, uh, math and science and were very talented, they actually grabbed those people and took them back to Babylon 
um, and uh, where Nebuchadnezzar said, you know what, you may be good at science, math. I'm going to allow you to have influence in my uh, political structure. I'm going to allow you to become some of my advisors, and, uh, which is a great leadership principle. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar believed very smart, uh, uh, very wisely, that I don't care if they believe exactly how I believe. If they're the smartest, if they're the brightest, I want them around me. So uh, he carted some of these people back to, from Jerusalem to Babylon, and he specifically took four uh, Hebrew teenagers, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, some of y'all grew up in the same school. Y'all know those names. Y'all are going, Shad what? All right, so anyway, um, we're going to be digging into this. All right, So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they actually go out and... Uh, uh, they're very talented, these uh, 15, 16-year-old year, uh, kids. And um, by the way, uh, Babylon is modern-day Iraq. All right, so this is very, very, I mean, <laughs> ironic. All right? um, in fact, this is so cool. Saddam Hussein believed himself to be like Nebuchadnezzar reincarnate. And uh, uh, before uh, our friends in the 101st Airborne took care of business, um, whoa, all right? Um, when Saddam was still in power, uh, he had, they had built, uh, billboards all over with Saddam's face and Nebuchadnezzar's face because he really believed himself to be Nebuchadnezzar, but that didn't turn out too well for him, did it? <laughs> all right, moving on. All right. Daniel chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, we, we, we're finding Daniel is, uh, is, 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 he actually wrote the book of Daniel, but this section is actually written by King Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan, godless king really of the enemies of the Israelites because it was really Nebuchadnezzar that put the Israelite king out of business. He came in, defeated him, wiped out the temple. So if you're a Jew, you can't worship there anymore. You can't uh, uh, do your sacrifices there. And it's a very, uh, it, most people in that day, they'd say, wow, you know, the, the Babylonian king Marduk overthrew the, the Yahweh, uh, the, the, the God of the Israelites. And we're going to talk about that. That wasn't quite the case. All right, so Daniel chapter 4, four verse 4 says this. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous, and I had a dream that made me afraid. Ooh, here's the dream. The dream was this, that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed of a huge tree, massive tree. And underneath this tree, there was tons of food, there was tons of water, and all of the animals of the earth gathered under this tree, and everything was good and prosperous. Until a voice cried out said, cut the tree down. And they start cutting the tree down. And then the voice says, and scatter all of the animals. And all of the animals scattered. And as the tree's falling, they, they lop off the tree and they, chain, they put a chain around the stump. And this is how the dream ends in verse 17. This is what the end of the dream says. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that, and this is the part that is applicable to all of us, so that the living may know. Who's the living? How many of y'all are alive today? All right, cool. Um, so that the living may know that the Most High. Everybody say the word Most High. Now, throughout this entire sermon today, we're going to see those words repeated, repeated, repeated. And every time we see those words repeated, I want you to say Most High. Everybody say it again. The Most High. All right, fantastic. So that the Most High is sovereign over kingdoms of men and gives them, here it is, here's the point, to anyone he wishes and sets over the lowliest of men. 
So Nebuchadnezzar wakes up from this dream. His knees are knocking. He's scared to death. He's sweating. And he gets all of his professional wise guys because he believes this dream has a meaning. He says, hey, tell me what it means. And they're going, huh, I ain't got a clue. So well, you're a lot of help. So uh, my boy Neb, he, he starts looking, and then he finds Daniel. He brings Daniel, and Daniel says, okay, tell me the dream. King Nebuchadnezzar tells him the dream. And, and Daniel says, oh, I wish this dream was about one of your enemies, King Nebuchadnezzar, because if this dream is of divine origin, this is not going to go well for you. And Daniel interprets the dream in verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree, the... There you go. ...has issued against my lord, the king. Now, this most high thing, it's hard for us to grasp. Because in that day and age, there was a god. The Babylonians had a god. His name was Marduk. And as we talked earlier, this, king, this Marduk god with, with King Nebuchadnezzar overthrew the Israelites. So they think that Marduk is the Most High God. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar even considers himself a god. So um, this Most High, he says, Daniel says, you know what? You think there are many gods? Let me tell you, there's the Most High God. And he starts talking to them and interpreting this dream from the standpoint and the viewpoint of the Most High God. Even though his Most High God, Daniel, the temple's destroyed, and it's really kind of out of business. And Daniel says it's not out of business. Verse 25 says this. Here's the interpretation of the dream. You will be driven away from the people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times, that could be seven years, seven months, we don't quite know, but seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge, and here it is again, that the, that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and he gives them to anyone he wishes. There's our point. Your kingdom will be restored to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, when you realize that the Most High is in control and not you. Because God is the Most High, not you, not Marduk. Now, this was a huge blow to King Neb's ego because he's thinking, I'm the man. I am the, I'm the top dog. All right? No, there's nobody above me. And I got here by myself. This is a huge blow. So as Daniel is telling this, he, Daniel's like, he may be a little concerned here, you know, because this could put him at odds with the king. And since Daniel's a slave, he can be going, and his head rolls, all right? But uh, King Nab, here's the interpretation. He says, you know what? I'm on all fours eating grass? That's kind of messed up. There's a Hebrew word for that. It's called jacked up. And I'm really not quite worried about that anymore now that you've told it to me. So, I, so he disregards Daniel's warning and really God's warning. Look what, it's, look what it says. It's so cool. Daniel said this, by the way. He says, it doesn't have to be this way, though. You can repent. You can change your mind. You can stop what, doing what you're doing. And if you were just not so prideful, not so arrogant, and if you ruled with justice, it doesn't have to be this way. But he ignores it. Verse 29, 12 months later, the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and he said this, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my might, by my mighty power, and for the glory of my majesty? He's, he's on an ego trip. He's, he's, he's going, look what I've done here. Look at here. I am the bomb. I am the man. I am so awesome. 
I have so much political wisdom and power and might. Look at me. Well, verse 31. While the words were still on his lips, right there, a voice came from heaven, and this is what the Most High says. Oh, this is cool. Um, this is what is decreed to you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been, what's that next word? Taken from you. And King Neb says at this point, well, you can't take this from me. I've done this myself. Look what I have done. I've got under, under my might and my power, under my talent. This is my deal. I gave this to me and nobody else. And God's saying, no. That's the whole point of this conversation. Because you think you've done it all yourself. And I'm telling you, the only reason you came and you were able to conquer the Israelites and you were able to wipe out the temple is because I allowed you to. I, you think you put me out of business? I'm still in control. I, I allowed you to do this. Just like I allowed you to come and, and, and judge the Israelites, I am going to judge you now. Wow. I allowed this to happen. And in this moment, King Nebuchadnezzar really understands our big idea for today. And this is our big idea, that all leadership, all leadership, whether you're leading a family, leading a country, leading a business, all leadership is stewardship. You're held accountable, and it is temporary. All leadership, no matter what type of leadership you're in, is a stewardship issue. It is temporary and you are held accountable. Leadership, whether you're in a family, a company, a church, a department, a team, a unit, a sorority, a fraternity, all leadership is stewardship. It's temporary, and you're held accountable. All right. So God says to Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to take it away from you, because only, the only person that can take something away is the person who gave it in the first place. And that is the point. Verse 32. You'll be driven away from people and will live with wild animals and you will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you to, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign. Look at that. Everybody say that word. What? The Most High is sovereign over kingdoms of men and He gives them to whoever He wishes. Wow. And the Bible says immediately. Everybody say the word immediately. Immediately, what Daniel prophesied came true. And he starts getting on all fours, eating grass, and howling. And uh, his advisors are going, that's just that Hebrew word again. That's, that's, this is a little strange. And apparently, the advisors kept it, kept it secret for a while. But it, he didn't keep it secret for long, because you can't keep stuff like that secret for too long. And this became a, a part of Nebuchadnezzar's legacy. Because Nebuchadnezzar is the one who's writing this in Daniel 4. In fact, look at 4.34. At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised who? The Most High. I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth, not just the Hebrews, not just the Babylonians, but all of the people are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth, and no one can hold back his hand and say to him, what have you done? King Neb is saying this, nobody can question God. I thought I was the man. <laughs> He's the man. Look at 
verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all of his ways are just. And those who walk in pride he is able to humble. And all of King Nebuchadnezzar's political advisors would say, Amen, you right, for sure, because seven minutes ago you were barking like a dog looking for a fire hydrant. And the point of this, if God can do that to the king of the world at that time, King Nebuchadnezzar, he can do that to you and I or anyone who has any type of pride or arrogance or maybe just a little bit rough around the edges. That is remarkable that this pagan, unbelieving king of Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, comes to know God. And I think it's going to be pretty cool when we get up to heaven based on this passage uh, that I may meet King Nebuchadnezzar. Because he came confronted with God, and he realized that God is the Most High. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar dies, and that's another leadership principle, that you will be replaced. Um, You will either be replaced once you get fired or you leave, or you will get replaced ultimately when you kick the bucket. But all leaders get replaced, and he gets replaced uh, by his son, And while his son is kind of doing the whole Babylonian empire, um, it's starting to fade, the Babylonian empire. And these other empires around them, especially the Persian empire under King Cyrus, starts coming to just really be a powerhouse. And then uh, that uh, mantle of leadership went from King Nebuchadnezzar to his son to another king, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson by the name of Belshazzar. And Belshazzar was just as arrogant and prideful as his grandfather, King Nebuchadnezzar. So on October the 12th, we know this because it's documented in history. On October the 12th, 538 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, they're in the kingdom of Babylon, and the the Persians surround. They lay siege to the city, which means they're going to surround the city until they destroy the city, until the city runs out of food and water. And uh, Belshazzar says, you can be out there for as long as you want. Because we got a lot of food in here, a lot of wine. The, the, the river Euphrates ran underneath the wall of, of, of Babylon. So he said, y'all just have fun out there. And he says, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about you. In fact, I'm going to throw a party. So he throws a party. He gets all of his friends, all of his political advisors, all of his wives, his concubines, and they throw this party. And inside this party hall, there's this huge statue of the Babylonian king named Marduk. And Belshazzar says, hey, I want you to bring out all of these other little gods that we've conquered. So they bring out these little gods made of silver uh, that may have been for this a nation that was conquered, and gold and bronze and wood. And when they were trying to find the god uh, that, that they destroyed of Israel, uh, there was a problem because it wasn't an idol. Uh, when they went into the temple in 586 B.C., and they, right before they destroyed the temple, they were expecting to find an idol, and there wasn't one because God says first commandment don't do one of those so since there wasn't an idol there was just some gold silverware and plates and goblets hanging around so they grabbed that and they said okay well, we conquered we conquered the god so what happens he says well where's the god of the israelites that we conquered well there's no idol we'll, we'll bring out the silverware so they bring out the silverware and they start drinking wine out of these goblets that were that was in the temple and uh, saying that Marduk conquered all of these gods, all of these nations, that Marduk is the most high. And at that moment, (laughs) something freaky happens. Because 
a big hand starts writing on the wall some words. And that's where we're going to pick up, all right? Um, starts writing these words, and uh, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, just hand. I don't know, you know, if it's, I don't know what it is, but this hand is writing. In fact, how many of y'all have ever said, hey, that's, I've read the handwriting on the wall, or said handwriting on the wall, all right? So y'all were quoting scripture. You didn't know you were doing it, all right? So he's trying to read these words, and he can't read them. Probably because he's drunk. So he says, "Hey, listen. If you get somebody who can read these words, I'll give them. I'll give them the third place in the kingdom. I'm going to give them uh, houses and boats and yachts and vacation homes and uh, all this stuff." So all the wise guys try to come and try to read it. They can't do it. And then the queen, Belshazzar's queen, says, "There's this dude named Daniel. That he was around when your grandfather was around, and he might could do it." Now Daniel at this point is old. In fact, he's as old as dirt, all right? I mean, he's like in the retirement home for the king's advisors, okay? So uh, they, tr- they locate Daniel, and they show up, and Daniel looks at the wall. And this is what Daniel says, verse 17. <laughs> I can read it. I can read the inscription, Daniel says, but I don't think I want your third in command. I don't want to be co-pilot of this sinking ship called the Titanic. Verse 17, Daniel answered king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. But nevertheless, I will read the writing for you that is written on the wall and tell you what it means. So he's getting ready to read the writing, but he says, hey, I got the king's attention. I'm going to give a little speech. All right. So Daniel starts talking. Look at it. Verse 18, O king, the, what is that? The most high gave, there's our big idea again, leadership is stewardship. The Most High gave your father, which is actually his grandfather, but, you know, the whole forefather things, and gave your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. The Most High God gave. There it is. Leadership and stewardship. Verse 19. Because of the high position he gave them, all the peoples and nations and men of every language demanded and feared him. So your, great, your, your grandfather was a great leader, King Neb was. Verse 20, but when his heart, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle. And there are probably the people in this party who had never, ever heard this story. Ever heard this story about King Nebuchadnezzar. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged what? The Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets them wherever He wishes. We've read that about three or four times today. Repetitions, everything, people. All right, there's the lesson, verse 22. But you, and I imagine he pointed his long bony finger, all right? But you, Belshazzar, his grandson, have not humbled yourself. And listen to this phrase, listen to this phrase because you have heard all of this. You knew all of this. You heard the stories. Your grandfather may have even told you of how he was just messed up for a season. But until he realized that God was the Most High, Yahweh, and he he was brought down from his pedestal. So Belshazzar knew all of this and chose to do wrong. Look at this. Instead, you set yourself up against the Lord of Heaven. You have had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines drank from them. In other words, you showed incredible disrespect to the Most High. You praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot he, uh, hear, 
excuse me, which cannot see or hear or understand. And I'm sure when he was talking about these, he's pointing to there's a, a silver idol and a bronze idol and a wood idol. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all of your ways. Therefore, he has wrote this inscription up on the wall. Wow. So he starts preaching a little bit. All right. So Belshazzar, you were warned. You should have known better. And let me read to you the inscription. Verse 25. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. And this is what it means. Mene. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. By the way, that's the reason I didn't want to be third in command. <laughs> it's already done. All right? Um, you don't control your own destiny, Belshazzar. Next verse, 27. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales, and you've been found wanting. In other words, Belshazzar, whether you'd like to believe it or not, you are held accountable. You are held accountable for your leadership, and even though you never bended your knee to the one true God, the Most High God, you never acknowledged Him, He is going to hold you accountable. All right? He's evaluated your leadership, and you messed up. Verse 28, Perez. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. In other words, it's temporary. I took it from your grandfather temporarily, and now tonight I'm taking it from you permanently. Now let me tell you what's happening. While this is going on, the Persians under King Cyrus has diverted the Euphrates River into a marsh. And while Daniel is talking, the river starts going down and down, and it's dropping, and the levels are dropping and dropping until they're able to get a couple of soldiers underneath the wall when they couldn't have because of all the water. And the soldiers went underneath the wall where the river ran underneath the city, opened up the city gates, and they came and took the city, and Belshazzar got executed that night. The moral of the story, <laughs> just in case you missed it, the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. He gives them temporarily to anyone He wishes. That leadership, all leadership, is stewardship. You are accountable, and it is temporary. It is temporary. It's, it's that I will be replaced one day. That you will be replaced one day. And I'm going to have to give an account... Of, of what I did in my leadership, all of us are held accountable. And I, and I think it's, it's good to know this, especially when you're coming into the presidency, because you know what? Four years is counting down, ain't it? That it's temporary. And after that four years, you're going to find out, did you do a good job? Because they're going to evaluate you, and what's going to happen? All right? That all leadership is stewardship, that you're accountable, that, that really what makes a good leader and what makes a great leader is when they start to realize that leaders exist for the people and not the people for the leaders. That, as Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest among you, you must be a servant. You must be a servant. That's what makes a great leader. That all leadership, all leadership, is stewardship. It's temporary, and you're going to be held accountable. So if Daniel was writing a letter to the next president, it might, it might sound something like this. Dear Mr. President, 
while it is true that you are accountable to us, the American people, we are not your source of ultimate accountability. While it is true that you must answer to the Congress of the United States, you must one day answer to someone of far greater consequence. While you consult with the leaders from around the world, our hope is that you will not forget to consult with the creator of this world. As the great King Nebuchadnezzar was once reminded, the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms and gives to them to anyone he wishes. So your leadership, Mr. President, like all leadership, is stewardship. It is temporary. It is accountable. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much that we can look at a passage like this that is 2,500, almost 3,000 years old, and it is so applicable to us today. Lord, I thank you so much that where we draw lines and boundaries of what we can can and can't talk about, that really the whole point of being a Christ follower is that you allow your, your morals and your actions and your ideals to influence every part of our society and every part of our being. I thank you so much, and I do pray, Lord, for whoever that next president will be. I pray that you would give him or her um, the, uh, the wisdom to be able to run this country and that we would be able to follow them and pray for them daily. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen.